I want to speak briefly this morning about uh, um, emotionally healthy spirituality, which is coming up probably um, early in November, the first week or so of November, we're going to launch it and start it. Uh, we do feel that the kingdom of God came when John announced it and said, and said, repent, think differently. The kingdom of heaven is here, has come, it is among us. And Jesus said it, the kingdom is here. It has come. And when they challenged him on his authority, he said, the kingdom of heaven is here, and I'm the king of that kingdom. And so um, I do believe that we do live in a time of the here and the not yet. But I want to speak a little bit about that today. What prevents us from seeing the fullness of the kingdom? That's not the theme of what I want to speak on. I want to speak mainly on what shapes you. What shapes us? What shapes us? Okay. So, in Proverbs 4, verse 23, let me just pray. Let's see if I pray. Lord, we thank you that we can be together like this, as your church. Just so aware, though, Lord, that um, the greatest expression of this reality that we are your people is every day out there where we live and work and play and engage with the world. And that these times that we come together are literally just the overflow of that reality. that the last words that you say were like the most important conclusion that you gave was to go and to make disciples of all nations. Teaching them and baptizing them. So Lord, I pray that as I share this word that you would help me and that you would open our hearts, bring increase, enlargement, and allow us to grow and continue to grow. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys, I want to say to you that we are on a journey. Amen. Sandy, are you tired of you? I just thought I didn't say amen. We are on a journey and some progression and we are growing and we are continuing to grow. And my encouragement to all of us is that we will never stop embracing what God is doing and saying into our future. Does it make sense? It, it, it's such an important reality. There is no quick fix in the kingdom. There absolutely isn't. And uh, everything is God's taken a hold of you and, uh, and the, the affirmation of that reality is that we take a hold of what God has taken a hold of us for. In other words, we... we we are constantly laying down our lives, constantly, constantly tearing down walls that divide, constantly pressing in to see more of what God is revealing. Because he's always speaking and he's always revealing. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says um, that we should watch over our hearts with all diligence. Our hearts. With all diligence. Because from it flows the springs of life. Uh, the Passion Translation says, So above all, guard the affections of your heart. The Hebrew word is the word lefav, 
and it's the most common word for the heart, and it includes these three things. Our thoughts, our will, discernment, our affections. Our thoughts, our will, our discernment, our affection. The scripture in Revelation that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I believe and Phil believes as well. It speaks of the will. God will never violate the will. It's the greatest, in my humble opinion, just my humble opinion, I've not read this anywhere, it's the greatest, the greatest expression of God's sovereignty is that he gave us the ability to not choose him. Any other thing would, would, would mean that God is in some way insecure and there's some hook at some point of the line and then he's not, never really sovereign. If we have full power and authority over, over something, then the last thing we need to do is to stake our claim. We give ourselves away to that thing. I told the story years ago about when I sat under the tree with Julia in the islands and she had this tea, tea set. Do you guys remember me telling the story? And I drank tea and it was salt water or there was no water and we pretend and we played the game and we engaged because, um, okay, this is a stretch, but I'm just telling you, okay, because I was sovereign over her. Okay, do you understand what I'm saying? It's like, I'm a dad. I love her. I have nothing to prove. I'll fake the tea. I'll pretend. I'll say that she's a princess and I'm the king or whatever the case is. I will engage with her at her level. And that, that's, God's, that's God's intent towards us all the time. Always good. Always to lift us up. Always to encourage. Always to strengthen. Always to cause us space to grow. But there must be that reciprocal reality and understanding. And I believe it comes from the heart. And from what our heart is shaped by, we live our lives. And we find traction. And we find authority or no authority. And we find joy. And we find life in its fullness from the condition of our heart. Um, John Ortberg, I think is his name, Ortman or Ortberg, wrote a book called Soul Keeping. I mentioned it to you a couple of times already. Right in the opening paragraph, he writes a story of a village where the, where the, where the stream flowed from the mountain. How many of you have read that book? One. All right. Great. So this, this beautiful river flowed from the mountain through the village. And the village loved this river. This river provided everything for it. it could, they could water their gardens. They drank from the river. They bathed from the river. The kids played on the banks of the river. It caused everything to grow. And there's a lot of life in this village because of the river. Now, in reality, many, many years ago, they appointed an old guy who lived up in the mountains, up further up in the mountains, where the river came from. From, from the spring. Has anyone ever been to a spring? Like, a, like an actual spring that comes out the ground. It's the most amazingly beautiful thing. And the water is sweet, and it's cold, and it's fresh. It's a beautiful thing. And this old man's job, sole job, was to keep the spring clear. And so he would every day go and chop around it and clear it, clear where the debris, or if a tree fell over the creek, he would clear it away. And as a result, way down the, 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 the river, the villagers prospered. And then one day the town board sat together and decided, oh, we, why are we, they looked at the books and they tweaked the budget and they saw the old man. Why are we paying an old man to do that? That's silly. He's not, he's not the source of the spring. And they fired him. And within one year, the, the stream was polluted. And people started getting sick in the village. The children no longer played on the edge of the village because there was all kinds of scum and debris that washed up because the stream had become dirty because the spring was unkept. And friends, I, I, think that, I don't think so. I believe 
that because I read it in this book. It makes so much sense to me. That that spring represents our soul, our our thoughts, our ability to discern. Discern. Because if you have all kinds of muck in your life, flowing in your muck, in your life, it's very difficult to see because the water is no longer crisp and clear and has no visibility. You have to feel your way around. And I don't know if you've ever played the game where we used to, at youth when we were young, get all kinds of obscure objects, you blindfold someone, tell a story that triggers their brain, and then you say, okay, touch this thing, and they think they're touching a snake, meanwhile they're touching a cover or something. Because when you cannot see clearly, whatever is determined to you from an outside source, an external source, will be ultimately what you feel and believe. And so, so above all, guard the affections of your heart. Your thoughts, your will, your discernment, and your affections. For they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. In the world that we live, most people believe wholeheartedly that we are organized and our lives happen because of the physical. The human spirit, however, is fundamental and inescapable aspect of the human being and it has been formed by what we've experienced and by the choices that we've lived through. It is fundamental and inescapable. Everything in the world and in the future is a result of what we've become and the depth of spirit, will, our heart, our being. Everything. It's literally like shades. You're putting on pink shades, you're going to see everything pink. And everything that we've experienced in our lives and encountered in our lives as a result of the decisions we've made or not have made have, has, has affected our hearts in some way. Do you agree with that? Absolutely agree with that. I can tell you a great example. We went to South America. They served us their delicacy, which was okra. Anybody know okra? Guys, okra is disgusting. <laughs> Adela loves it. Why? She grew up eating okra. It is slimy, bad. And it tastes like broccoli and cauliflower combined. Ollie, what do you guys think of that? Disgusting. It's slimy. What is that? It's something that you grew up with and are conditioned to. It's amazing. When we went to when we lived in Africa, we went to tribes that ate worms, Mupani worms. And we would have salsa, which is like a maize mixture made uh, on the side of bowl salsa and a bowl of worms. We knew it was worms. We were cool. Tried it. It tasted like, I don't know, beef. A bit pussy, but great. You, you, take salsa, you dip it in the, in the worms and you ate the worms and the maize. It was their delicacy. Kath, Kath and I went to Zoom to meet with some of the chiefs there. The men and the women are split up. I eat roast chicken, divine, free range. It's amazing. Kath eats goat's lungs and liver and brains out of a bucket on the floor with the ladies. It's a cultural paradigm. We've been shaped by that reality. We had a friend who lived in Zimbabwe, had never seen the ocean. We put him five days to Durban. I'm a young guy. like Gilbert, so good to see you. He's crying. He sees the ocean. He's so blown away. He worships God. He breaks into spontaneous on the Durban beachfront right on the pier. Titanic, standing with his arms, singing the glory, the praises of God in Swahili, and everyone's looking at him, he's like nuts, totally overwhelmed, sobbing, oh, he'd never seen the ocean, his mind was blown, his brain was, his heart was shaken, I took him for an ice cream, a milkshake, 
directly afterwards at Milky Lane right there on the beach. We walked for three minutes towards the car. Gilbert is vomiting next to the car. I'm like, Gilbert, what happened? He's like, Yaku, I've never eaten that much sugar in my entire life. It's a cultural condition. Can you see it? Can you see what I'm trying to explain? We have the exact same thing in our culture. We have different preferences. We have different approaches. My question is this. How much of the kingdom of God are we seeing in our lives and living our lives according to based on that which we see as a direct result of us watching over our hearts, our souls, our thoughts, our discernment, and our affection. If you give your affection to that which is from the outside in, you will not see the kingdom. Does that mean the kingdom is not here? No, it is here, for sure, without a doubt. I had lunch this week with a friend that I love very much, and he said to me, Yaku, honestly, there's no doubt in my mind that the world is literally falling apart everywhere. It's, 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 it's chaos. And he said to me that the kingdom of darkness is definitely overwhelming the kingdom of light. Okay? I was stunned. I was stunned. Because either I or we are uh, ostriches with our heads in the sand, or we are seeing things from a different platform. It doesn't mean we're in denial. Absolutely not. It doesn't mean that. I'm going to get to that. So from your heart, you will see the world. From your heart, or your soul, your wellspring, your wellspring, you will make decisions. From your wellspring, you will get into action. You will do things. From your wellspring, we will try and change the world. The world, the world as we see it from our platform. Okay? Every human lives from this place. There's not a single person on this planet that does not live from this place. When you go to certain areas in the world, particularly the third world, your heart will be torn apart. For those people who live in those environments, um, um, they have been conditioned and that's all they see. The solution is not to bring them to a first world mentality. The solution is to bring them to Jesus, the king of the kingdom. True? Does that, do you know what I'm trying to say to you? We are not colonialists who goes and tells everybody now to behave in a certain way. Those are just behavior modifications. And I do believe that, that God has reiterated to us, particularly as a community, speaking very personally right now, that, that just like the, the word Bethlehem, a little town of Bethlehem, insignificant among all the massive industries and cities that hustle and bustle, uh, you nothing. But from you will come the Savior of the world. Phil said it this morning, and then Eric prayed my scripture that I was just about to read, seeking first the kingdom. I want to say, Red Hill, Red Hill, you think you nothing. <laughs> Maybe you do, maybe you think you're not. And if you're not, let's go for it, I'm with you. But I want to, I want to declare and prophesy boldly right now, again and again, that the words that God has spoken over us as a community are so impossible, they have to be God. Don't say, oh, we are, oh, we are so small, oh, we are so little. 
I do believe that we are pioneering, we are breaking open something that is super significant for the future. Who, who agrees with me? Grandma, you agree with me, right? I, 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 I totally believe it. I believe that the kingdom removes from us the paradigm of, of, of even, uh, of even uh, um, lifespan. Really. Because I want to see Eros' children run for Jesus. I want to see Hannah's children run for Jesus, for the kingdom. Why? Because they have a greater revelation of the kingdom. Why? Because they literally stood on our revelation of the kingdom and we have catapulted them into the next generation, into the next thing, so that we are bringing in a massive element of the kingdom of God, which is eternity. And so it's like a seamless transition from generation to generation to generation. And what we are doing here, friends, and what we cannot get away from, is we don't want to do the hypey thing. We want to see the kingdom. How will we do that? Diligently guarding our hearts. Above all else, the writer says. Because the heart, from the heart will flow the wellspring of life. From the heart will come your motivations for your future, for your wife, for your husband, for your children. will come from your heart. And if your heart has been polluted or has been affected, infected by a system, the system of the world, you will come and you will be active and you will participate in the church and you will be present in the church, but you might never see the kingdom revealed and manifested. And therefore, you will never come into your inheritance. Inheritance is a big deal because he is still the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Tom, Yaku, Warwick. He's generational. I'm convinced of it. So much flows from that reality. We will lose the next generation if we don't guard our hearts. From what? From the world, basically. From that which is from the outside in. So, this applies individually as well. No situation we find ourselves in can be as important as how we respond to that situation. And that's what we do. We look at the situation and we are instantly overwhelmed by that reality. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've, I've, I've felt something from the Lord, and I'm sure that many of you are like that. I know it. Looking at your faces, I know it. I've heard, I've heard some of your stories where things are literally impossible. There's no oil in my, in my thing. There's no flour. Maybe there's enough for one more. But the God of the impossible is literally the king of the kingdom. And we are in the kingdom if we are in Christ. We find ourselves in that kingdom. And so from that place, the situation presents itself to us. But the most important thing is not the situation. It's how we respond to the situation. And that comes from the innermost part of people. So we can choose. We can continue to entertain or we can contend for people to connect with the heart of God. And I say people with God because God's already done, done everything. And as we live, as we live our lives daily, wherever you go to your dentist office, to your office, to your workplace, wherever, whatever it looks like. There you go, and you literally are the ambassador of that kingdom. And Phil said it this morning, and I love how every single Sunday, the, the prayer meeting downstairs unfolds what God is saying by His Spirit. Friends, that is more, worth more than a zillion dollars. God speaking to us. And those who have ears, hear what He's saying. And he, Phil said he had a picture of a Canadian passport. It's, it's so real to me because I'm waiting with bated breath to have a call from the government any second to say, Mr. Marie, your passports are ready. 
I'm already practicing, oh, Canada. I'm going to stand like that. Oh, Canada. I'm going to sing, man. Oh, you're going to hear me sing. They probably, the clerk in the courtroom is probably going to say, excuse me, sir, just... <laughs> but that little book, that little piece of paper, it's A5, it's so small, it's this size, represents a vast world, a beautiful nation. That's what it represents. You and me represent that beautiful, vast kingdom. Or we don't. And so the question is, what is the condition of my heart? All the time, it never stops. Because from it flows the wellspring of life. The God of the impossible is on our side. And when he said Emmanuel, he didn't mean just with us, he means for us. He's for you. He's for you. He's for you. So whatever you're building has to have a kingdom element. I'm serious. I don't believe in Christian businesses. I believe in kingdom reality in your life because you represent that business. You are the ambassador of the kingdom. It's amazing, isn't it? To, to truly grow in life means to cultivate the heart with the promised help of God through the grace that He gives. To be truly transformed. We went to Haiti some years ago. When, was, when did we go? Jan was like five years ago, six years ago? 2012. Frank and I were sitting on the roof of a house in like, I don't know what, it, like just a, like a flat plain. A hurricane had come through. And I remember that the guy who drove us in on the truck like an hour and a half into the desert said to us that this same truck takes the dead bodies out. Uh, the people who have died of a cholera epidemic that had broken out. And we were sitting on the roof, um, and I remember this like, oh my gosh, it's like so vivid in my mind. Rebecca and Julie were riding this, this mangy horse on the desert. People were just working everywhere, and I was sitting on the roof, and I was so aware of the kingdom of God. And um, that the kingdom of God brings transformation. And literally, we were just building one house. Just one house. And, um, but I was so aware that, I was so aware like Jesus was sitting there on that roof with us. Like, it, it shook me. And, and I want to say that the kingdom of God, truly in our lives, brings transformation. Where others who do not see the kingdom will stand like children saying, why is this happening? We will see the situation, but see through it, beyond it, to transform the situation in our lives. To transform the life of the person that is engaging with you, who do not know Jesus. The kingdom will see through that into the potential. I'm not just talking about entrepreneurial spirit. I'm talking about the reality of the Holy Spirit, who is the empowering presence of this kingdom among us that we cultivate by looking at our hearts, our thoughts, our affections, our hearts. So transformation is huge. Okay? It cannot happen if our hearts are not transformed. 
We can do a lot of good things. I hope I make sense to you. But the kingdom is transformational. We can do a lot of good stuff to a lot of people and we can bring change in society. But the kingdom transforms. The kingdom is generational. The kingdom might not look like it's affecting here and right now, but it, will affect, it might affect the next generation exponentially more than we can see or know it right here. And that is why I am, I'm so excited and I've never lost my excitement for what God is doing. Because I'm not bamboozled. It's one of the coolest words in the dictionary. I'm not bamboozled by smoke machines and lights and hype. Because it's cool. I love it. I'm entertained by it. I love it. We actually are going to buy a smoke machine as soon as we've paid the children's church off. <laughs> Jokes. So I'm not anti that. But my point is this. We are in the business of our Father. And we are taking a hold of what He's taken a hold of us for. And in Matthew 28, the final words, like, you know when someone, like, like you know, like when you, when you, when you leave someone, you know you're going to say, say them, see them again. You want to see, you want to say something that's going to be super important. You know what I mean? Like, what do you say, I love you with all of my heart, all of my, I love you, goodbye, all of mine, whatever you want to say on your final departure. Jesus' final words were, now, Go. Five years later, they hadn't gone. They were still in Jerusalem. Or five years or odd so, they were still there waiting around. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. So if in our life, this is just pure stats from from Barna, the Barna stats group. In our life, if we as believers on the earth today, taking into account everybody who professes to be a Christian, and we diminish that down a little bit, Okay, a little bit down. Because many people who say they are followers of Christ aren't really. But if we just take that down conservatively, if we in our lifetime make one disciple, one generation, the entire planet will be born again. And you know what happens then? Jesus returns and rules and reigns with us on, in a planet where there's no tear, where there's no sorrow, where there's no injustice, where there's no lack, where there's no poverty, where there's no suffering, where there's no child abuse. Who will he reign and rule with? Us. That's the kingdom reality. If you want to think of a kingdom reality as well that blows your brain, think of the universe. He put the stars in the sky, called them each by name. We can't even count the first galaxy stars. And we know that there's quadrillion beyond that. He put them all in the, star, in the sky and knows each one by name. One day, we could say, God, let's go for a picnic on uh, Gajigubi. That's how great this kingdom is. And we are here, part of it. And that's the essence. The mustard seed carries the potential to reveal the kingdom. Small, the insignificant. And I'm going to close. I've had so many scriptures. Sorry, I got so carried away here. So Matthew 6, verse 33. So above all, again, the same as so above all, guard your heart. So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you in abundance. Matthew 7, verse 24. Everyone who hears my teaching and applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man who built his house on an unshakable foundation. When the rains fell and the floods came with fierce winds beating upon this house, it stood firm because it's strong foundation. Verse 26. But everyone who hears my teachings and does not apply it to his life can be compared to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. When it rained and rained, And the flood came with wind and waves beating upon this house. It collapsed 
and it was swept away. The spiritual place inside us is like a platform from where we have an outlook on life. If this platform is shaped by a world way, a world away from God, it must be renovated. Renovated. Let me just ask, how many years ever renovated anything? Amazing. Like a table or chair, a house, an old, whatever. You've found something and you've wiped it, cleaned it, and renovated it. Isn't it the most amazing feeling? It's, it's so amazing. Finding antique furniture and, and um, I mean, that have been abused and, 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 and gluing it back together. I don't know, top three favorite things in my life. It's the, most, it's the coolest thing. I found a 1952 Beetle, a BW Beetle, the Mari Biscuit wheels, you know, the skinny wheels, the white wall tires, crushed completely. It's my greatest joy to renovate this old car back to its former glory. You know, people make billions of dollars from it. God wants to renovate our hearts. Everyone's spiritual platform has, has been formed, and some of us must be reformed. So, in Isaiah 6 verse 3, it says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Please say filled with his glory. Filled with his glory. In Habakkuk, however, a little bit later, chapter 2 verse 14, it says, For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with the awareness and the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. So, Isaiah says, the whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord. That's what I wanted to say to my friend this week. It says, darkness is overcoming evil. I mean, good, definitely, hands down. Look at everything that goes on on the earth. Friends, the glory of the Lord, like he said to Joel, covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. The difference is this. In Habakkuk, he says, the knowledge, the understanding of the glory of the Lord covers the earth. The difference between the glory covering the earth and the glory covering the earth is understanding. Who, who, who manifests that? Us. That's us. Where does that come from? The wellspring of the heart. Where's your affection? That'll instantly tell you whether you see the glory of God revealed or not. And that's why five people can look at the same thing and see five different things. If we see through the lenses of the kingdom of heaven, our hearts are renovated and restored. Our affections are for Jesus, the king of his kingdom. We have the power to transform, even with nothing. Because situations don't dictate to us. We transform situations. We respond differently. And I'm, and I'm done. I'm going to read something. Um, so the revolution of Jesus, as his glory covers the earth, is and always will be the renovation of the human heart. This is Dallas Willard's quote. Nothing more and nothing less. It always going to start inside of the human spirit. That's why we must be born again. The laws of the land can never transform the world. Never. Only those whose hearts have been renovated from, from within can reveal the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. So I want to read this paragraph to you from uh, Willard's book, The Renovation of the Heart. It says, The revolution of Jesus is the first place and continuously a revolution of the human heart or spirit. It did not and does not proceed by means of the formation of social institutions and laws and outer forms of our um, existence, intending that these would then impose a good order of life upon the people um, who come under their power. Rather, his is a revolution of character, which proceeds by changing people from the inside through ongoing personal relationship to God 
in Christ and to one another as a result of that. It is one that changes the ideas, beliefs, feelings, habits, or choice, as well as their bodily tendencies and social relationships. It penetrates to the deepest layer of the soul. External social arrangements may be useful to this end, but they are not the end, nor are they the fundamental part of this means. T.S. Eliot once described the current human endeavor as that of finding a system of order so perfect that we will not have to be good at all. The way of Jesus tells, tells us, by, con- by contrast, that any number of systems, not all, to be sure, will work well if we are genuinely good. And we are then free to seek the better and the best. The, imp- the, imp- the, the impotence of systems is the main reason why Jesus did not send his students out to start governments or even churches as we know them today, which always strongly conveys some element of human system. They were instead to establish beachheads of his his person. They They were supposed to go and be little Christ, word, his person, his word, and his power in the midst of a failing and futile humanity. They were to bring the presence of the kingdom and its king into every corner, of human life, supply by fully living in the kingdom with him. Amen. Amen.